You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Also, check out Locked On MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan, Colin Sully, as he breaks down everything going on with Major League Baseball, both past, present, and sometimes future with hosts like myself and other local experts who come on to talk about what's going on with our respective teams. I actually did an episode with Sully that is live today talking about Jacob DeGrom's injury, so make sure you check that out. And that is what we will talk about in the first segment today. Jacob DeGrom left his start on Wednesday night with shoulder soreness, so I want to talk about what that means for the Mets moving forward in the first segment. Then, in the following two segments, going to go with another throwback episode of Throwback Thursday with Brian Wright, author of Mets in Tens. As we talked about last week on Friday, we are going through the best rookie seasons in Mets history. We just happen to be talking about Jacob deGrom for the second segment today before getting into Tom Seaver, amongst others, in the final segment. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. So with this game, the Mets win 6-3. to They get good offense across the board, really. Dominic Smith hit a home run. Kevin Pillar hit a home run. Jacob DeGrom got an RBI hit again. Ridiculous. The guy's hitting well over 400. He has six RBIs, four earned runs allowed. His offensive season is somehow getting close to the same standard as this unprecedented season for him on the mound. But the story is that Jacob deGrom left the game after three innings. Three perfect innings, I might add, where he racked up eight strikeouts, where he continued to prove why he's the best pitcher on the planet. And the only thing that can get in this guy's way is his health. After the game, Jacob deGrom met with us in the media, and he probably said frustrated by my count maybe two dozen times. That was his overall sentiment, and it's pretty clear why he would be frustrated. But there is not this overarching concern. The Mets feel pretty comfortable with their early tests on his shoulder that this is not a significant injury, just another kind of nagging one that continues to pull him out of games. But at a certain point, you got to ask yourself, what's going on here? Why does he keep having these things pop up? And DeGrom doesn't have an answer. He said that he felt better in the first two innings of this start tonight than he felt the entire season. And he is a guy who has pitched through injuries in the past. And he says, you know, at times as part of pitching, you deal with some things, you go through it, you pitch your way through it. But that shoulder was not loosening up at all. It started to tighten up for him in the third inning. He let them know, and of course, they pulled him from the game because they're being cautious. You can't have him go out there and really significantly hurt himself. 
but it's definitely becoming a theme of this season. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher on the planet. Every time he's on the mound, the Mets have an amazing chance to win. He's helping them offensively as well as just this ridiculous string of pitching performances, but the health is still a concern. This is two starts in a row. DeGrom has left due to an injury, and there's a lot of people asking, can you throw 101 all game long for five, you know, every fifth day and not run into some injuries? When I look at Jacob DeGrom, if you go back to the way he was throwing in 2015 when he was in the All-Star game pumping 99, that was a more violent version of Jacob DeGrom than the one that's throwing 101 now. It's this effortless motion that he has with these perfect mechanics that creates this natural whipping motion that results in the 101-mile-per-hour fastball. I don't want Jacob DeGrom to change anything about the way he's pitching, but the Mets have to be careful here and approach this the right way. And if you listen to Locked on MLB, me and Sully spent a lot of time talking about the fact that the Mets have this big lead in the division and they can afford to put Jacob DeGrom on the injured list for some time. Sully was saying through the All-Star break, I don't know if they have to go that far into this and really have him out of the lineup for that long, but it would make some sense to throw him on the IL again for another 10-day stint, let his body heal, and then reassess. At the same time, I do trust that Jacob DeGrom knows his body better than anyone else, and his frustration is based on the fact that he felt so good. He felt ready to make this start. He said that leading up to it, everything was okay. There was no concerns as he entered the game. It just happened to pop up with a little bit of a shoulder issue that might not be anything. And all of the injuries are to different parts of his body. It was a lat, then it was the flexor tendonitis, now it's the shoulder. That doesn't necessarily mean that any of them are linked. They could be, but the overarching sentiment among you know what Rojas said and what DeGrom says, these are separate incidents that are all minor injuries that have just happened to occur to the same incredible pitcher. And so hopefully this isn't any sign of future injury to come and Jacob DeGrom can be ready for his next start. The one thing that I will say and the one thing you'll hear me and Sully talk about again on Locked on MLB is the Mets have to have an idea or a understanding of where they are right now in this division. They have to realize that they have a team that's very resilient. As Kevin Pillar said after the game, he said, you know what, when DeGrom went down, it was obviously concerning, but whoever came out of that bullpen, we knew they were going to get the job done. Whoever's put on a Mets jersey this year, we know they're going to get the job done. There is a belief in that clubhouse, and this is a big credit to Rojas for his job as the manager, but there is a belief that this team is special and this team's going to keep winning. So if Jared Eikhoff is in the Mets rotation for a couple of weeks, I expect the Mets to win some of those games. And you have to make sure the number one most important thing that has to come out of this regular season is that Jacob deGrom is 100% healthy for game one of the NLDS when the Mets are likely taking on, I don't know, the Cubs or the Brewers or one of those teams from the Central. That is the number one priority for this team moving forward is to make sure that Jacob DeGrom is healthy going into the playoffs.
However you get to that, that's what's important. It's not important that he wins a Cy Young or an MVP. As much as we want it to happen and as much as he is the frontrunner for both of those awards right now, the most important thing is that Jacob deGrom is ready to shoulder the load, and that was a really bad use of the word shoulder there. That was not intended. Anyway, that is the number one thing the Mets have to be thinking about is making sure that Jacob deGrom is ready to take on the burden of being the ace when the playoffs happen and he can go out and pitch maybe on short rest at times and do what he needs to do in the playoffs to lead them as to a championship. Because there is no doubt in anyone's mind that if a healthy Jacob deGrom shows up in October, there is no doubt that the Mets have a great chance to make a run at their first World Series title since 1986, especially with the team that's around him. So right now, don't panic too much. It doesn't seem serious. We'll learn more as we go when it comes to this injury, and I'll keep you updated here on Locked On Mets. But for now, it seems like DeGrom, at worst, is heading towards a 10-day aisle stint. At best, he's going to be on the mound the next time out, and we'll see where his season goes from there. But taking you back to his rookie season, I'll be joined by Brian Wright in just a minute as we continue to recap some of the best rookie seasons in Mets history. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. All you need is $500 to get started. You can grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings today. Now let's get, though, to Jacob DeGrom. You know, I, I mentioned Mount Rushmore and Mets starting pitchers, and now DeGrom is getting you know closer and closer to that that lead phase. And you have him, Seaver, probably Kuzman, and Gooden, I guess, would be your Mount Rushmore. I think it is so perfect looking back. And I remember the start was great against the Yankees. I didn't quite remember hard luck, one nothing loss. That is how you start your career for Jacob DeGrom. You set the tone for everything that will come in the future. Yeah, we were when we when you watch that game, you're like, oh, it's too bad, you know, Jacob Trigrav loses one nothing first step. You know, little did we know that would be just the theme of his of his career thus far. Um, I mean, even despite that, you can still obviously just enjoy the the that the fact that we've been privileged to watch him pitch. Um, because now it just seems I don't know. I I I for a long time, I was thinking, you know, Pedro Martinez and Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson were like the three best pitchers I've ever seen. And you start to wonder, like, where does Jacob DeGrom fall into that? And with each start, you start you start to think about that more and more. So I remember watching that first game 
And, you know, if people remember, they thought he was going to be a long reliever. I mean, I think he was an emergency. I mean, he was an emergency starter. I think it was Dylan G. That Dylan got G, yeah. Like, I think he was just thrown in there and nobody had any idea. And, and, and I think if you remember, we, you know, we talk about how, how great of a hitter he is as far as related to related relative to pitchers that the Mets at that time, and this was what, May 15th or it was mid-May. Yeah. And at the time the Mets had not had no Met pitcher had had a hit all year until Jacob DeGrom got a hit. So you want to say, talk about setting a tone by not only pitching well, losing one, nothing, he also got a hit. So it was all like right there in front of us day one, night one. And I, when he struck out, I think it was eight, the first eight batters against the Marlins, I think it was in September, one of his last starts, that was that kind of solidified him winning rookie of the year. Um, that was when you started to go, oh, okay, this, this is a picture we can like build around almost, uh, or at least be part of this highly, you know, regarded rotation with the uh, Zach Wheeler and Matt Harvey and Noah and Noah Syndergaard later on. Um, little did we know he'd be not only the standout, but like far and away in the standout. I mean, way far and away. Um, so, so crazy. Really interesting to look back. It's just such, a, it was such found gold where you, you yeah. didn't expect it. And that start that you mentioned uh, was actually September 15th. And as you put in there as well, he had that consecutive scoreless streak, 28 yeah. innings that, that went down that game. I remember you know, that was actually a day after my birthday. I was in Orlando with my sister and some friends, and I, was, I had to just peel aside on a bench and just sit there on my phone and watch because I was following on like game day. And I was like, wait a minute, he just struck out like five in a row. And I had to stop everything because it was just like, when's it going to stop? And I remember thinking at the time, having the irrational thought, DeGrom might strike out 27 in a row. That's how good he looked, where he just had that perfect command of his fastball. And I think what's awesome about DeGrom is when he gets into that rhythm, it's usually just blowing people away. You think about the All-Star game, his first appearance where he just comes out firing. I'm going to be really curious this year, assuming he starts the All-Star game, which I don't know why he wouldn't. Is he going to go once again against the best hitters in baseball and just fire in 101 over and over again? And uh, once oh, yeah. again, showcase why he's the best in the business. Oh, yeah. No, I, I hard to imagine. I, the only reason I could think, besides something bad, like he's hurt, why he wouldn't is just because maybe the starts weren't aligned like he started happened to start on a Saturday and it was not exactly ideal for him to start. I don't know, but there was there's a you know maybe the courtesy of at least naming him the starting pitcher would be uh is something he deserves, especially after the start he's had in the beginning of the season, which is just ungodly. It's a great description for it. It's exactly what it's been. Zero point. I, I saw some stat this morning on Twitter that said if DeGrom throws a complete game shutout, his ERA is only going to drop eight points. Okay, I thought it was going to go up for some reason. I was like, going to go down. Of course, if he doesn't give a run, but uh, yeah. And I feel like also his dominance has not only overshadowed other pitchers. I know we're like drifting off the off the beam. That's cool. (laughs) Um, But he not only been not only overshadowed guys like Taiwan Walker, who had a great start on Wednesday, uh, and Marcus Stroman, um, who had who had a, a good last start as well. I think it's like skewed our view of like what we think of like a good pitcher. Like when we see a pitcher give up 
two runs in an inning, we start to like go, oh my God, what's wrong with him? Even because of like four, three or four in a game over like six innings, if they even go that long, we kind of like have this Jacob deGrom itis where we like think that everyone's supposed to be great, even though it's a different pitcher. And that just goes to show how just remarkable Jacob deGrom is because you're not supposed to just have a 0.62 ERA in June. It's not human almost. I almost wonder, you know, if you're looking at like someone like Taiwan Walker, does that affect him even where, where maybe he is not that he's never been focused. I'm not saying that, but is there an extra gear of focus and attention to detail when you see DeGrom go out and do it and do it at such a high level that it's like, yeah, I'm not supposed to give up runs. And now you look at his ERA and 2.07 this late into the season. It's just been crazy to watch the Mets pitching and DeGrom obviously sets the tone for the rest yeah. of the staff. Yeah, no, I, I think it does have, I think it filters out, filters to the rest of the staff. I mean, I think there, not only is there some kind of friendly competition, I'm sure there is between pitchers. If you're, you're an athlete, not competitive, obviously you shouldn't be an athlete, but I do think that it's obviously just learning from him by being really close uh, to him helps. And yeah, I think you just get, you just have that extra focus that you may not have had elsewhere. We will have more of my conversation with Brian Wright in just a minute, but I want to tell you the best place to go when you want to make a bet because bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Whether you're watching the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, bet online has you covered. They even have awards TV shows and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free. To sign up, send to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money. So, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more? For the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership that you can get at rockauto.com. A family business that has been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything you could want from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and have it delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in there. How would you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. So, Tom Seaver, I think when I had you on during the COVID uh, times, you did talk about how the Mets landed Seaver, but that was probably an audience that might not have been listening as much because of everything going on. So if you could just tell everyone again about how the Mets had the greatest fortune in the history of their franchise to end up with Tom Seaver. So, yeah, I'll try to recall it as best I can um, because he was initially drafted by, um, I'm going to say the Dodgers. I'm going to say he was drafted by the Dodgers, but he want or um, he, I guess, opted to finish or to go to, to finish at USC, the Southern California, 
I may be getting this wrong. I apologize. But um, he basically it, it, it what it wound up being it came down to was that he was dra- picked in some supplemental draft by the Braves. But it was he couldn't sign because he was still a student at USC and he was then deemed ineligible. Uh, he, he was deemed ineligible by the NCAA, but he couldn't sign with the Braves because he was still a student. So he's in this like kind of <laughs> no man's land. So they set up a special draft or selection for him in which anyone who was willing to pony up about, I think it was $50,000. So the amount that the Braves, I think, wanted to sign him for or about that much. And you would, you know, just have a, it would be a special drawing. And I think, I think it was the Braves. I may be getting these teams wrong. I know the Indians were in there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and of course the Mets <laughs> were in there and there you go. The Mets were selected. So you want to, you know, the, the phrase of like, you know, by the luck of the draw, I mean, that's the luck of the draw um, getting Tom Seaver because it could have easily gone to a number of other teams and he would just wound up landing with the Mets and think how Mets history would have been different if, if Tom Seaver doesn't wind up on, on the starting staff. I mean, they don't, don't win the world series in 1969. They, they, doesn't he doesn't pitch for 11 seasons for this team so it's it's hard it's it's difficult to think what how Mets history would have changed uh if if not for Tom Seaver being just selected out of a hat it's crazy it's such a crazy thing to think about I mean it's personally because I mean nothing like that happens now so you know just to imagine it but yeah I mean Tom Seaver you, you get that fortune he goes out has an unbelievable season first rookie of the year in franchise history, makes the franchise what it is. And then, you know, we talk so much about the 2015 Mets. The fact that you get Kuzman the next year, who doesn't win the rookie of the year award, but in some respects had even had, had you could say had a, maybe even a better season than yeah. Seaver as a rookie. Uh, it, it's just crazy. And then, you know, Matt Lett comes in. I mean, th- those three to come in in the span of, I guess, what was it, about five years. It, yeah. It's really something special. So yeah, so Jerry Kuzman, Jerry Kuzman, how Jerry Kuzman got to the Mets is also very interesting. And I'm trying not to mess up this story, but he was pitching, he was in the army pitching like for the army baseball team. And then he was, I think it was like a, some, a, someone in the Mets system saw him gets picked, you know, the, he gets taken by the Mets or the Mets sign him. And he was not pitching well and was, you know, about to be, I think he was maybe on the major league team and about to be just sent back to the minors or something like that. And he and a couple of teammates were driving, get into an accident, not a major accident, but like they needed money to like repair the car and the Mets were like about to cut him, And they said, well, we're not going to cut you until like you pay or repay like the damage to the car. And and then it wound up like, he starts, he starts like developing his curveball. He starts pitching great. And that's the end of the, that's the story. Like they basically like, okay, you know, I don't even know if he paid him back, (laughs) but they they basically said, we're just going to hold on to you until you can find the money to pay us. And he winds up, you know, winds up pitching great and goes to the majors and, you know, 
wins wins is second in rookie of the year in 68 of course the world series in 69 and so on and he yeah he, he paid him back with his performance yeah, yeah. that that's crazy <laughs> such a different time to just to imagine that you know, i can't even think of you know what i guess the modern equivalent would be if if David Peterson got in an accident and the Mets said, you know, you haven't been good this year, but we really need to make sure that, that you can pay off. So we're going to make sure you have that major league salary for a couple more weeks while, while you continue to struggle. Yeah. You can pay us back. That's, that's funny. <laughs> and then Matlack ends up having maybe the greatest rookie experience to have a locker in between Seaver and Kuzman. I mean, that's that that's how you, you get some great knowledge. And it goes on in some respects to have a better season than both of them as a rookie. You mentioned a war of six, two, three, two ERA. Just an outstanding rookie year. I actually was lucky enough to, to talk to him and he gained a lot of knowledge from from those two. I mean, Kuzman being a left-hander as well. Um, and of course, how can you not learn from from Tom Seaver, the master. Um, but yeah, that that year and then goes on in 73, he had a scary incident in which he got hit in the head with a baseball, um, a, a, a shot back to the mound um, and winds up you know, recovering from that, pitches great at the end of the season into the, the postseason in the World Series. So so yeah, the 72 was really the, the, the kickstart to what would be a very underrated Mets career um, because I don't like, you know, a lot of people don't talk about because of Seaver and Kuzman. Um, but John Matlack is, is, is one of the, you know, great Mets pitchers. And of course, as you said, one of the great rookie seasons, if not better than Seaver and than Kuzman. Is he in the Mets hall of fame? Do you know? He is going, in fact, he's going to be inducted this year in July 30th, okay. along with uh, Ron Darling and, and Gardo Alfonso. About time, obviously. Yeah. 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 And also I guess Kuzman's going to have the Jersey retired this year too. So. Yeah, in August, uh, late August, I think. Yep, good to see the, these former Mets finally get their due. Uh, way sure. too long for, for yeah. a lot of that stuff. Oh, yeah. That's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. I still have one little portion of that conversation with Brian Wright left to play as we talk about the greatest rookie season in franchise history. But you'll have to tune in next week to find out which season that is. On tomorrow's show, I'll be joined by host of Locked on Cubs, Joe Kilgallen, as we talk about this series as the Mets have trounced the Cubs up to this point. We'll see what happens in the final game of that series, and we'll talk about where these two teams are heading. Are the Cubs going to go all in and buy at the deadline? Is there a chance that things crater and they sell? I'll get into all that tomorrow with Joe. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. If you want to get all the sports news you need in less than 20 minutes, check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. Locked On Today updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.